Although governments can encourage improvements in healthcare through programs that use financial incentives, quality measurement, and regulatory constraints to motivate change, none of those efforts can guarantee the sort of operational change that's necessary. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Richard Bomer of the Nuffield Trust in London. Dr. Bomer has co-authored a perspective article about the role of local multidisciplinary teams in improving safety, patient experience, and outcomes. Dr. Bomer, you write that the Virginia Mason Medical Center in Seattle and the Salford Royal National Health Service Trust in England have successfully transformed themselves. What made that possible? What are some examples of the changes that they made? I think the point I'm trying to make with this particular perspective is that there are many organizations, possibly most organizations, that have had a number of local improvement projects quality, safety, outcome, and efficiency improvement projects. But those organizations that seem to have made a substantial step forward over the last few years are ones that have got a much more integrated and orchestrated approach to these improvement and performance management and performance improvement projects. And so what they've achieved is, I think, different in magnitude as much as it is in its nature from other organizations. And they've done that, as I said, by being very deliberate, very orchestrated, and managing a substantive performance improvement program over a number of years. And that's really what's notable about these two and and other organizations that we've noticed have really substantially improved their performance over a period of time. This characteristic is, at least in the context of my work, quite common among organizations that we tend to hold up as exemplars of, of better performance. So these redesign teams are led by clinicians. How do the outcomes of clinician-led transformations compare with the results of other strategies, the CMS's Pioneer Accountable Care Organization model, for example? Well, I think that what's important about the clinician-led strategies is that performance improvement requires an understanding of both kind of the organizational aspects of care delivery and the clinical organization, clinical aspects of care delivery, and that they be treated as sort of two sides of the same coin. So, you know, what I see, what you find is that the clinicians who lead these kinds of transformational projects have a pretty good understanding of the managerial and organizational issues as well as the clinical issues, and they're able to integrate those two bodies of knowledge fairly seamlessly. And I think that's very different from kind of a management-led approach where focus is often on the structures of delivery organizations, on kind of the kinds of things that managers feel naturally comfortable with, like role descriptions, job descriptions, organizational structure, accountabilities, performance measurement and KPIs. That's their stock and trade. And, you know, clinical leaders have got to understand that body of expertise. But at the same time, they integrate that with a really detailed understanding of what the clinical medicine is going to require, what the technology that we currently have is capable of, what upcoming technology might enable us to do differently for and with patients. And so it's really that kind of, that the clinical leaders I encounter have a sort of hybrid skill set that seems most powerful in making progress here. So this would seem to require some changes in hospital governance. What's happening there? How difficult are they to make? 
for me, this is is another. You know, if you can, if we look at places like the Mayo Clinic or Intermountain, you know, clinicians are deeply involved in the governance of the organisation. You know, myriad of layers, and certainly in leading this kind of coalface operational redesign that I'm talking about. So this is a model of running a delivery organisation that leverages, as I said, the clinical expertise and melds it with organisational skill. It's a very different governance model that says that clinicians are not simply going to come to work, take care of their patients, write up their notes, uh, go home and take the organizational context in which they practice their personal professions and take that context as a given that clinicians in these organizations have a very big role in shaping that organizational context and making sure those systems are configured the way they need to be to support high-quality medicine, that they operate the way they need to operate to support high-quality medicine. And it's a variant of a very old lesson from the Toyota production system that says people have two jobs. first job is doing the job, and the second job is making the job better. It's a sort of an analogue that you see in places, as I say, like the Mayo or Virginia Mason, where the clinicians, part of their job is actually shaping the context in which the patients receive their care, some of which involves the professional activity of those self-same clinicians. That's a very different model of running a delivery organization. Looking at models that have been borrowed from other industries, can you say something about how they have been accepted in healthcare, particularly among physicians? Things like lean manufacturing, Six Sigma, can they be integrated into healthcare transformation? Well, well, you have to understand that, that I'm a clinician who has spent a large portion of his career on the faculty of a business school, so I've, I suppose I can be said to have gone over to the dark side. But I think those models have a, a huge amount to offer. I mean, in reality, there are other complex, high-cost, high-risk industries, as well as healthcare, where the costs and risks of failure are, are horrendous. And we do have a lot to learn from those other industries. But I also think that it's very important, having said that, to make sure that as we import lessons from these other industries, we modify the teachings, we think through their application to the healthcare setting and its unique characteristics, and we in fact build an approach that's uniquely a healthcare approach that draws upon the principles and the lessons from these other industries, but doesn't kind of copy them in an unthinking way. And I think that it's very important for us to be cognizant of these unique characteristics of healthcare as we import lessons, uh, crew resource management from the airline industry, uh, lean manufacturing from the automotive assembly industry, uh, high reliability organization theory, which has come from the nuclear power industry. They've all got a lot to teach us, but we have to create a healthcare version of them that is uh, sensitive to uh, our particular particular characteristics of, of our sector. You mentioned in your article that a clinician-led approach to improving performance may be too much to ask for organizations that are facing reduced revenue or an urgent need for a turnaround, some crisis. What options are there for those organizations? This is a very tough issue. And if you look at those institutions that have gone through a turnaround, those hospitals, and particularly we have quite a few of those at the United Kingdom at the moment that have performance issues that are being turned around, there is a period of of restructuring, of rethinking the governance model, rethinking the structure of the organization, changing roles and accountabilities. There's a lot of that that goes on. But that's often followed by a phase where we have to step back and actually redesign clinical processes, redesign how units are going to work, redesign how we care for particular high-risk patient populations. 
And that's the longer-term transformation work that is so in need of clinician leadership. That latter program, you know, is a, is a multi-year program of transformation. I mean, I don't think any of the organizations that at least I would identify as being successful in transforming themselves are organizations that did it in a very short period of time. The, the short term is often revolves around more major kind of rapid restructuring where you, you merge units, close down satellite sites that may have too low a volume to be financially viable or safe. You establish new roles for safety or for efficiency, as I think of as the kind of the blocking and tackling of of an early stage turnaround program. But as I said, I think they all have to be kind of followed with a much more detailed operational redesign program of the variety that I'm trying to describe in, in this perspective. Finally, what's the role of regulators in facilitating this operational change? What government policies might be useful in making it happen? Well, I think there are several things regulators can do. And I think that in the U.S. we've seen a number of these things, both regulators and payers have done, that really do help. I think, the, and so in no particular order, I think that the acceptance that the time frame for change is a little longer than one might hope it would be. To be pragmatic about that is, is very helpful. So, you know, we've seen uh, the beginnings of payer contracts that are not one year, but three or five years. That you know, Famously, uh, Massachusetts alternative quality contract was a five-year contract. So I think that's something very helpful that, that organizations, that, sorry, regulators can do is recognize that this kind of transformation requires a reasonable time frame. I personally think that some of the newer financial incentives that are structured in you know more recent contracts are actually very helpful because you know they get us away from for that transactional mentality that comes for fee for service medicine. They reward organisations that do long term planning and longer term operational redesign. They obviously reward organisations that focus everyone's attention on earlier intervention and more proactive management of at-risk populations. So I think that's a sort of second set of regulator kind of activities that make a big difference. Comparative public benchmarking data sets that enable us to make sure we're aware of what best-in-class looks like are incredibly helpful and obviously they have the potential to motivate change in any given organizations. I think there's a, a huge public role in the development and maintenance of those kind of data sets. So at some level, much of what we're seeing from the regulators in the United States is moving us in the right direction at this point. Thank you, Dr. Bomer.